Hi, this is James Shokum, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, it's affiliate sponsorships and crowdsourcing. Oh my. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. Generally speaking, most comicers fall into one of three categories. They've got people who are setting their comic as a, up as a business from pretty much day one. You've also got people who have looked at the numbers for their comic and are going, whoa, I've got a lot of people coming here. I wonder if they can get a little bit of money off these people while they're here. And of course, you have people who are doing it totally for free and never intend to do anything in terms of income from that particular comic. For that last group of people, this is probably not the podcast for you. Well, this specific episode anyway. When it comes down to it, you should be doing the comic for whatever reason you want to be doing for it. If you have people who are telling you that the only reason you should have a comic out there is to basically be making money from it, tell them to screw off. You know, you want to be polite and tell them to take a very long walk off a very short pier? Fine. You want to tell them to do something that's a little bit more anatomically impossible? Hey, you've got my full permission. Not that you need it. You know, you've got people who love doing comics just because they love doing comics. It's a really great artistic outlet for them. They have fun doing it. And it's just something they like doing. Of course, you also have people who are doing their comic as a portfolio. So that way people can actually go and see, hey, that's this is what I do. This is what I have fun with. And, you know, putting themselves out there for future employment. That's cool, too. You need to do whatever you need to do at that particular moment. And don't feel embarrassed about it. If people are telling you that, you know, you shouldn't be wasting your time if you're not going to be making money off of it, screw them. Some people need that artistic outlet. Some people need that for therapy. Some people need it to show off for future employers. That's fine. You know, I don't care what your reason for doing it is as long as you're doing it. Have fun with what you're doing. And if anybody tells you anything otherwise, yeah, you have my full permission to be as rude as you want to. You know? you They're not in control of your life. They don't know where your perspective is. They can't be in your shoes 100% of the time. And having a hobby isn't necessarily a bad thing. Now, if you happen to be... Otaku levels of hobby, yeah, you might want to talk to a therapist. But for everybody else, if you're just doing it for fun, if you're doing it for therapy, if you're doing it for portfolio, cool. You know, do what you want to do. Screw everybody else. However, this is a podcast about making money off of your uh, comic, at least for tonight. So. Go ahead and read the rest of the stuff in this show. You know, there's a lot of really great advice for how to do comics better, how to do art better throughout the rest of the podcast. Okay, go ahead and listen to those shows all you want. I will. I would. I am actively encouraging you to do so. Just pointing out that this particular episode, you may not get as much out of unless you're trying to figure out how the process works. That's great. For you other two types, however. What we're basically looking at is that there's five basic ways of making money off of a comic. You know, you've got your advertising on the site. You've got the merchandise. You've got 
affiliates, you've got sponsorships, and you've got good old-fashioned crowdsourcing. You've got two different flavors of crowdsourcing. Tonight, we're going to be exploring these a little bit. Please note that I'm not going to be spending a lot of time on merchandise. It's straight up. I've covered it better in other podcasts. Go look those up. Heck, go to my blog and you're going to be seeing a lot of really great stuff on merchandise. That's cool. You know, if you want to go merchandise or you want to sell your services, there are some really effective ways of doing it. I'm just not going to be covering it as in-depth as I normally do. As far as the advertising on the site, yeah, we're going to be basically be doing just the basics. Straight up. If you can't figure out what the basics are as far as the advertise, how the advertisement works, yeah, you're going to have a lot more problems with everything else that's going to be going down. So, let's start looking at some basics. Alright, so exactly how popular does your comic have to be before you can actually be worried about you know, actually making money off of it? Well, the general guideline is about a thousand hits per page. That is, you put the thing up, you get a thousand people, and if this is a consistent behavior, now might be time to look at monetizing your site. Obviously, you're going to have to be doing some sort of marketing in order to do this, you know. People don't just conveniently, randomly hit a site that many times. It could happen, you know, especially if you happen to get lucky and, you know, you happen to have a really popular website somewhere else, and people start tracking your name, and they happen upon your webcomic. But the reality is that if you're trying to make money off your site, you're not doing some sort of marketing, you know, just go ahead, buy a gun, point at your foot, pull the trigger. It's pretty much the same thing. But we're not going to be too much worried about the marketing of your particular comic tonight. We're more worried about trying to make some money off of it. So, in essence, you want to have about a thousand hits, plus or minus, when you actually, you know, put out your webcomic. That's about the average. It's, you, sometimes you can go a little bit below that, especially if you happen to have a really specialized niche. You know, if you happen to be making fun of, say, fighting comics where everybody wears bikinis, and it happens to involve death volleyball... Yeah, you can probably get away with 500, 750 hits per page. But generally speaking, you're going to be wanting to hit about 1,000. The thing to keep in mind is that when it, making money is essentially a numbers game. And you want to make those numbers as high as possible. If you're going at this and you're only making, say, you know, getting maybe one or 200 hits per every comic you put up, yeah, you're probably not going to work all that well for you. It's just straight up. You're only going to hit, get a num- certain number of percentage of people that are going to come to your site go, Hey, that's some really cool stuff. I think I'm going to spend money here. It happens a lot less likely than a lot of people think. Usually in the low percentage. Maybe 2-3% depending on the comic. So... You know, if you're not hitting these huge numbers, forget about it. This is probably not going to be making any money off of you. So, you know, start simple. If you happen to be really popular, go for it. 
keep in mind, by the way, this does not mean that you should be looking at, you know, if you have to be the top 10 in any particular webcomic thing. Yeah, that's not a requirement here. There's a lot of comics that never show up in any of the various voting pages, but nonetheless tend to do pretty well as far as numbers go. Penny Arcade is an obvious example. They rarely, if ever, show up on any of the voting sites, but that's because they just simply don't care. They're beyond that. Even comics like Real Genius won't show up intermittently. They won't show up in all of them. The key is that you actually have to be set up for those voting sites, and not everybody does that. Even then, if you are hooked up to a voting site, you know, if you're not in the top 10, 20, maybe 30, depending on the site, yeah, you're just not going to be get the popularity you need to work. So, you know, don't see this as a recommendation to get away from the voting sites. Those are definitely a really strong area for marketing. I'm just pointing out that you don't need to show up on the top 10 or top 20 in order to have a successful comic. So don't see that necessarily as a key there. Like I said, you'd be surprised how many incredibly successful comics don't send people to voting sites. So the bottom line here is you need to be making about a thousand hits for every page you put up. Plus or minus. You know, if you can do that and you can do that consistently, then yeah, you're probably going to be able to make a little bit of money off of your site. But don't count it too much. Most sites that do make money, usually it's enough to be you know get on a decent value meal. Very rarely do you see sites that are actually start you know enough to pay rent or even a substantial part of that. Again, if you're trying to make an income off it, you're going to have to basically doing doing some incredibly serious hustling. If you can do the hustle and you get some numbers up there. Yeah, now's the time to start looking at you know ways to make money off your site. Most people start off small and just simply do advertising. Uh, this is usually accomplished through Google Ads and a few others, but the basic idea is that somewhere on your site you're putting some sort of advertising that simply says, hey, click here and go over here. Real simple stuff. Just keep in mind that you're going to want to keep it limited. You don't want to have 57 ads on your site. You want to try to keep it as clean as possible. And you don't want to have ads cluttering the thing up. Especially considering you, the idea is to actually be there for the comic and not for the advertising. So, you know, don't have more than like three or four ads on the entire page and try to put them all over the place, not just focused in one area. You, you know... A lot of people make the mistake of putting all their advertising into one specific area on the comic and letting it go. No. You want to have your advertising being all over the site. You want to have it, you know, towards the top, towards the bottom at least, and maybe a side or two. You know, like I said, you don't want to have too much advertising because as soon as you start having way too much advertising, it just starts drowning out the comic and people... Old start. Well, that's just a turnoff, straight up. It's really like if you read a magazine or a newspaper and you have to go through all the advertising in order to get to the story. 
it just simply doesn't work. Yeah, you've got these entire pages that are nothing but ads and full page ads and so on and so forth. That's fine. But let's get real. You're buying the magazine for the story, for the pictures, for the information it holds, not because of the advertising. So, you know, look at the look at the magazines and newspapers or any source of information that you happen to like and notice how limited the advertisement really is. You want to try to uh, model that. So like I said, no more than three or four ads per page. If you can do that, you should be fine. If you go above that, yeah, like I said, everything's going to be varied, but you do want definitely want to try to avoid being way too busy on the page. Also, make sure that when you do sign up for the advertising that you are as specific as possible. You want stuff that happens to be work with your particular comic and if you're not specific really bizarre results can happen. The most obvious problem is if you're trying to do an all ages type of strip and all of a sudden you get a lot of adult advertising yeah you might want to seriously be looking at your keywords. Of course for that matter if you're trying to do something that's a little bit more cheeky and definitely geared towards the adults and all you get are play school toys yeah it's more likely a keyword problem than anything else. And of course, make sure that once you've got the advertising in place that you actually go through and actually look at it every so often. I mean, straight up, you'd be surprised how many people don't complain when they should be about material that shows up on a comic that you're going to need to catch every so often yourself. So once you've got the advertising in place... Just make sure you review the keywords as well as review what's actually on your page every so often. Otherwise, things should get a little bit interesting. Uh, as far as the merchandise goes, really simple here. Just make sure you, the merchandise you have is relevant to the particular comic. Uh, if you happen to be selling your services, don't get too crazy. You know, If you've got a webcomic that happens to be dealing with say, family issues, and you're trying to sell your services as an erotic masseuse, yeah, it's not going to take off. Trust me on this. In fact, you're probably going to find a lot of people that all of a sudden aren't really into your comic as much as they used to. Um, the same applies, of course, if you happen to have you know, one of those sitcoms that happens to be in a comic book company. If you're trying to sell family therapy... You know, basically make sure that whatever you're trying to sell happens to be in line with what your comic is. If you happen to be doing some therapy comic and you're a therapist on the side, hey, that's a really good match. You know, and the same is going to be applying to your merchandise. If you're basically doing a really fun comic and you're trying to sell some really serious merchandise, you know, foodstuffs, home supplies, that sort of thing, it may not take off as well as you think it will. You want to try to pair off whatever's on the comic with whatever you're trying to sell. Uh, make sure that that merchandise that you are selling or the, the service you're selling does look pretty good. And I mean this, you would not believe how many people do the world's worst art for the merchandise and it doesn't take off for some mysterious reason. You know, if it looks tacky, it looks annoying... It just doesn't look good. Again, it's not going to sell. 
And the same applies to if you're trying to apply some sort of service, for example, if you're doing your graphic design service through your comic. You know, if you've got a really horrible looking page and you're trying to sell yourself off as a graphic designer, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. And of course, if you can use some sort of print-on-demand service, Cafe Press, Zazzle, Teespring, what have you, you want some sort of situation where they go to the site, they basically pay the you know they pay up, and then the people print it off and ship it off. If you can have something like that, great. Yeah, you're going to be tempted to do all that yourself. However, the basic three drawbacks are, one, that means you're going to have to keep an inventory on hand. That means you're going to be putting money up front. That also means you're going to have to be storing that inventory somewhere. If you have a small apartment and you're trying to store a thousand t-shirts, yeah, it's not going to happen. I don't care how big your garage is. In fact, if you happen to have a significant other and all of a sudden you come in with a thousand t-shirts, they're going to be asking a lot of questions. You want to try to avoid these questions. And on top of that, you just spent like what? Almost a thousand dollars on something that may not sell? Going with a print-on-demand solves all those problems. You don't have to worry about inventory. You don't have to worry about shipping it out yourself. And, most importantly, you don't have to worry about really interesting questions from your significant other. That last one is a major one. If you don't believe me, ask your significant other what she would think about you coming in with 8,000 t-shirts and not knowing if you're going to sell them all. So, yeah. Print-on-demand is your best friend ever when it comes to merchandise. Keep that in mind. So, summing up the advertising and the merchandise, three simple things. Don't take up too much room on your comic in advertisement for yourself or for other people. Um, make sure it looks good and make sure that it represents the comic. If you can do those three things, you should actually be doing pretty good as far as the advertising merchandise. And like I said, those are the simple things. For those who want something a little bit more interesting, it gets to affiliate sponsorships and, of course, um, crowdsourcing. For those of you who are interested, there's a definite difference between affiliates and sponsorships. You're going to see on a lot of YouTube channels that there's a people who confuse the terms a lot. Which is sort of funny because some of these people are trying to actually, you know, actually know what they're doing when it comes to marketing. The basic difference between an affiliate and a sponsorship is that an affiliate is someone to whom you go to, you go grab their what, you know, grab their piece of code and you put it on your site, and that's it. You know, there's no real agreement between the two. All you're trying to do is essentially take an, an affiliate. And basically send it from your site to their site. And it makes for a really great passive income, you know. A lot of these places are like uh, Amazon or Audible Books or Skillshare. Yeah, you should be hearing a lot of familiar names. Even Amazon Marketplace. In essence, you go to them, you grab their piece of code, you know, you sign up for their program, grab their 
code or whatever it is, throw that code onto your site, and hey, you you become an affiliate. That's cool. That's as simple as possible. You know, that's step up from advertising your merchandise. The sponsorship, on the other hand, you have some sort of specific deal in place. That is, let's say, for example, I wanted to have a Doom Prepper comic, and so I set up some sort of really great deal with, you know, the local hardware store, or some sort of chain specific to do that. Well, at that point, I'm going to be having a reasonably larger ad on my site, and I'll be getting money based on how well this ad does, admittedly. But, the key here is, I will have some sort of actual contract in hand for that particular sponsorship. Note the difference here. One of them is a passive relationship. That is, you know, they don't really care what you do with it as long as you're not too obnoxious with it. And the other one is actually there's going to be some conversation on a frequent basis. Obviously, if you have a sponsorship and they're running a store, they're going to be using your site to run their specials. And they're going to be talking to you about it. Just pointing out that that there is a big difference between an affiliate and a sponsorship. Between the two of them, yes, the affiliate is going to be a lot less work. But there's also going to be a lot less money involved off of it. So, sort of keep that in mind. As far as the affiliate itself goes, okay, let's say you want to try out something like, say, Amazon or Audible or something like that. Cool. You go to the site, you sign up for their affiliate program, you've got some code, you put the code and slap that into your website somewhere. You're going to want to make sure it's somewhere visible. And today's new term for you is above the fold. And hey, let's throw in a twin, below the fold. When you first go to a site, you notice that there's certain things you see and there's certain areas where you have to scroll down to. Well, the stuff you see right off the bat is what we call above the fold. It comes from when the people actually read newspapers. And yeah, I know it's sort of a sore point because people still read newspapers. But usually you find that the papers are folded in half. Anything above that fold was, well, obviously fits in the display. Anything below that fold, well, you're not going to be seeing all that well, right? So, when it comes down to your affiliate, you're going to want to put that above the fold. Make sure it's one of the first things that people see when they come to your comic. Otherwise, if they have to scroll down to it, it probably isn't going to be selling all that well and sort of defeats the purpose. I mean, straight up, you're trying to do this to make money. So you want to want to put it somewhere that's prominent. That's going to basically be above the fold. You want to see it when they first come to the site. Um... You also need to keep in mind that you can make some general decisions as far as what actually gets displayed. Some sites are just simply, hey, here's the code, enjoy. Others give you a few basic options that you can actually take advantage of and tailor more towards your comic. Take advantage of that option if it's presented. Otherwise, you know, let's say you're doing a mystery comic and you're trying, and you're all of a sudden doing ads for sword and sorcery stuff. It's not going to jibe that well. When people come to your mystery comic, there's sort of an expectation you're going to be trying to advance the cause of mysteries in general. 
So if you can basically make your advertising key into that somehow, you know, selling magnifying glasses or trench coats, for example, hey, you will actually be doing pretty well as far as the money goes. Yes, the stuff you're pulling into the affiliates is pretty much random. Yeah, it's obviously not going to be too successful. You're going to have too much of a distance between what you're trying to sell and between what your comic is, and that distance is just going to work against you. So when you start sending up the affiliates, try to keep in mind that you want them to be stuff that fits in pretty well with your comic or stuff that can be made to fit in your comic. Amazon work, uh, Marketplace, for example, can be set up so that you can actually have just stuff that happens to be within your particular genre or particular areas that you want to sell. Take advantage of those options and you should do pretty well as far as the affiliates go. Um, at the very least, make sure that the affiliates are within the purview of the comic. Again, if you're doing a comic that happens to be featured mysteries and that sort of thing, and you go with a person or a place that happens to sell, I don't know, rakes, yeah, you're not going to be selling a lot of rakes. So, have some fun with it, but don't have too much fun with it, you know what I mean? Sponsorships are going to be all sorts of fun. The problem is, is that in order to be successful, you're going to have to realize that you've just gotten a partner. That is, you've got somebody who you now have to answer to and to whom you have to actually have conversations in order to get things done. Yeah, I know it sounds like a major pain, but keep in mind that sponsorships do carry with them a huge number of benefits. Not the least of which is they tend to be a little bit better off than the affiliates. That is, whereas with an affiliate, you're pretty much a happenstance type of situation. The sponsor is actually going to be working with you in order to take full advantage of the ad space you're giving him. You're also going to have the advantage that occasionally they're going to throw products at you just to see what you think about them if you happen to like the product. Hey, there are ways to incorporate it into your comic and as well as other areas. You know... Don't get too obnoxious with this. If you can fit it in naturally and organically into your comic, great. If you can't, you're going to have to let the sponsors know right off the bat. The problem you're going to encounter, the worst problem you can encounter with a sponsor is somebody who decides to be a complete control freak. They sort of have to realize that the two of you are running businesses and if you happen to be going into a synergy type of situation where you're both saying, hey, what's the best we can do with this situation? Hey, it's going to be massively profitable for the two of you. You know, you're going to be able to make a lot of money off of them, and they're going to, because they're making money off of you, I mean, the purpose of a sponsorship is, after all, to get money to their company, you know, if you can work it in and do everything nice and organically, great. On the other hand, you're going to have that occasional sponsor who's going to be power mad and is not going to quite realize that if your comic isn't successful, then they're wasting advertising dollars on you. And part of the problem is that occasionally they will try to figure out ways to get you to incorporate their products into your comic. And yeah, you can already pretty much tell this isn't going to be a working situation, right? Okay. So... If you have somebody who's way too controlling, 
you're either going to need to get them to back off or you're just simply going to have to drop them, which is a major pain. But, you know, if you've got somebody who's decided to take control of your comic, I mean, you got to think about it for a second. Part of the reason they're going to your comic is because it's successful. And it's successful because of stuff that you're doing. If they try to manipulate that or try to change that to some degree, yeah, it's not going to work the way that they want it to. Nine times out of ten. Unfortunately, you got people who don't quite realize that. These people are should not be in marketing. These people should just leave the marketing to other people. So, again, if you can work some sort of compromise and you can actually do some really great stuff to advance the cause of the sponsor, great. You know, if you can put their comic your their stuff into your comic and it works. Notice the phrase if it works. If you're doing a comic about little kids and they want you to put a rake into every frame, yeah, that's not gonna it's just that's obviously not working, okay? So obviously make sure you're sponsoring you are pretty much simpatico right off the bat and you should be fine. So again, it's gonna be a lot more struggle and it's gonna be a lot more work. But the plus side to it is occasionally you get free products and it's always gonna be a little bit more profitable than just simply a straight affiliate. So yeah, it's annoying, but the annoyance is well worth it. And then there's crowdsourcing. Alright, you have to sort of keep in mind there's going to be two different flavors here. The bottom line is that crowdsourcing is essentially you go out to your peeps and you tell them, hey, I can use comic a little bit better if I haven't been able to concentrate on it. In order to concentrate on it, I need to have certain basic needs taken care of. If they really love your comic and they want to see it advance a little bit, hey, odds are that you can probably get people to donate a little bit every now and then, and you can possibly even do get them to pay for publishing the book. You know, that's pretty awesome. And that's pretty much what crowdsourcing is. It's basically you getting money from the people you... Basically, you're sourcing stuff from your crowd. You know? It's sort of a weird concept, but it seems to be working for a lot of people. And keep in mind, it basically comes in two major stripes. The first is that the one you always see a lot of with your Indiegogos, your Kickstarters, that sort of thing. You know, you have all these different, you go to the site, you find out information about how you're publishing your book and you have all sorts of different tiers with different rewards depending on how much they're willing to spend. The more they spend, the more stuff they get type of deal. The cool thing about this is that, well, if you're trying to basically set up, get set up for a convention and you want to have a whole lot of spare books on hand, crowdsourcing is definitely the way to go. There's a lot of really great ways to take advantage of crowdsourcing and it's definitely something worth looking into. The top three words of advice I have for you are one, make sure that whatever you're offering is a tier, fits in well with whatever you happen to be advertising. Just so we're clear, you're noticing a theme, by the way, as far as the, mar- the selling the advertisement goes. Make sure that whatever you're selling fits in with whatever you're writing. 
Yeah, I know. I'm repeating that a whole lot. Just go with it. Trust me, your wallet will love you for it. When you start pricing your Kickstarter or whatever, uh, basically, make sure that you have room for extras. In other words, even if it's say an extra two books for every... an extra, an extra two dollars for every book, that means you'll be able to eventually purchase more books. And that means you'll have books on hand. Yeah, I know. It means you'll have an inventory you'll have to deal with, but that means you've got stuff that you can run to the local comic book shop. If you haven't been part of a convention, you've got books on hand that you can actually take to the convention. You know, on top of that, you'll have to be, get stuff set up for the various tiers, like the book market, or sorry, the bookmarkers, dice trays, that sort of thing. Again, you're going to have, a, if you do it right, you'll have enough spares that you can actually sell that as swag at a convention. Or give it away at the convention. You know, whichever way works up. Better for you. The key here is, you want to charge a little bit more than you normally would in order to make sure you've got stuff that you can actually sell other places. So, keep that in mind when you're pricing it. Also, try to basically make sure that the product the end product, is complete as possible when you actually start setting up the campaign. Yeah, I know. A lot of people tend to do the crowdsourcing campaign specifically to grab artists so they can actually pay the artist to do the book in the first place. If you're coming straight off of a concept, so be it. But make sure that you stress that it's pretty much at the conceptual stage. Nothing's going to aggravate a person more than, you know, spending 30, 40 bucks... And not being well, I mean, aware that they are paying, you know, for something that's going to take six, seven months to get to them. You know, if there were more people are more than willing to wait whatever time it takes, as long as you're doing it reasonable. You know, set up the reasonable expectations right off the bat. This, of course, means that when you're doing the video and all that, you're going to be wanting to show the conceptual art. If all you have is a script. It's not going to sell all that well. But if you have at least the conceptual art, you're good to go. If you happen to have a few pages done already, so much the better. And if you're selling the finished product, hey, that's incredible. You know? But again, you're going to want to have some sort of set up some sort of expectation in the mind of the people that are putting money down for this sort of thing. For some sort of timeline. And you're going to want to deliver on the timelines you set. You're putting a lot of your reputation online. Taking up some sort of crowdsourcing campaign. Keep that in mind. You don't want to do like some of the. Let's just call them, Let's just call out Image. They've gotten a lot better. Don't get me wrong. But one of the problems Image had at the beginning. Was that they basically weren't making their deadlines. And this is ticking a lot of people off. Because that image had a major reputation issue that they had to overcome over the years. You don't want to have that going against you right off the bat. So, you know, if you're basically just starting up production, let people know. If it's going to take them four or five months before they see their, what they spent money on, let them know. You don't want to have to overcome a negative reputation right off the get-go. Anything you can do to prevent that, so much the better. And like I said, if you happen to have a really great polished product and that's what you're 
pushing, you know, you're going to find you're going to have a lot more success with the campaign. So, note, you don't have to have a finished product, but it definitely helps. Okay? Yeah, remember how I said there's two flavors of crowdsourcing? Alright, that's the one most people think of. However, you've also got the type that pretty much comes down to a modified tip jar. You know? And we're not talking that annoying one you see at Starbucks where they aren't really doing anything to get their tips. They just have to put it out there because it's nice. Trust me. If you see somebody's actually doing a tip jar, just ignore it. It's a scam. And any management that encourages the tip jar, yeah, they're just need some therapy. But as far as you're concerned, Setting up a tip jar is not necessarily a bad thing to do. And there's a couple of different variations on that particular theme. The first, obviously, is that you can set up a straightforward tip jar. You know? You've got a couple of bucks on your credit card. Pl- you know, pr- press this button here, or click on here. Send me a couple of bucks. You know? If you have to be a PayPal donation button, or there's actually a tip jar site, Hey, you're good to go. That's the small version. The other, of course, is setting up a full-blown tiered section just like you would with a normal crowdsourcing campaign. I'm bringing it up here. Well, not so much, really, but check out my Patreon page. You're going to find out real quick that there's some really great stuff you can do with it because, again, you can set up the tiers. You can set up the monthly subscriptions on there, which is really great because it means that you have a monthly income and you can actually count on at least some degree. So, you can set off a really basic tier that's just simply the tip jar, you know. Give me a buck, I'll be happy. Trust me. Give me a buck, I will be very happy, especially if a lot of you do so. You can also set up a tier that gives the people a little bit more and allows you to stretch yourself as an artist. This means you can do stuff like fan art. Um... If you don't mind, you can actually send bookmarks out to people. You can set up a podcast. You can set up videos for people. Once they pay that monthly subscription rate, they get access to those particular features. In my case, um, a couple of show notes. You've got some great videos about other tips, plus how to deal with writing problems like writer's block. Um, you know, basic tips and tricks type of stuff. You can also set up other tiers and do more. If you want to set up tiers that happen to be nothing more than a mention, hey, that's great too. You know? It's just straight up. Setting up a Patreon page or its equivalent is not a bad way to do things, especially if you don't mind doing a little bit extra for your for your fans. Fan art is always going to be appreciated, especially if it's something that's entirely different than what's in the particular comic. You know, you tend to be a little bit more risque, or you tend to have just oddball stuff, or you decide to put all your Star Wars parodies using characters from the comic as part of your fan art. You know, let people know what's in your Patreon, or whatever the equivalent is. So, you know, have some fun with it. And take full advantage of it to stretch your art just a little bit. See what you can pull off. If you do it, like I said, you're going to have people paying in there just to see what you 
coming up with next, especially if they really love your comic. So, keep that in mind. You know, you have a lot of ways to make money off of your comic. Again, if you're one of these people that's doing it just for the fun and doing it for a portfolio, hey, more power to you. It's something you enjoy, go ahead and do it. As long as it's not hurting somebody else, you know, you're good to go. And yes, you can hurt people with comics. It's happened. So to sort of recap, you got five different ways of making money. If you're going to set up advertising, you know, with the Google ads, that sort of thing, keep monitor that stuff, keep track of what you said, and make sure you keep, you know, go and actually see what's being advertised every so often. If, you, on the other hand, you decide to go with merchandise, make sure that it fits in with the theme of the comic. The closer you can get the two of them, and if you can do stuff for, that's specifically themed off of your thing, like t-shirts, get, you know, WCRI t-shirts, for example. Hey, we're good to go. Or, you know, keys to places that happen to sell writing materials. Cool. You know, that'd be right within my purview. If you go a little more advanced, affiliate. Make sure that, again, your affiliate matches the comic. Sponsors. Tread again. Make sure that not only does the sponsor match the comic, but the sponsor is not being too controlling. You want to reach some sort of compromise there, but you definitely want to have it more towards you. The advantage you get into a sponsorship is that they can't, even though they can be a lot more annoying and a lot more just aggravating, they are definitely worth looking into, especially if you happen to find a great sponsor. Again, not only do you get the money, but you once in a while may actually get some free product to try out. Um, crowdsourcing. If you happen to be going for the big crowdsourcing campaign, make sure that you've got telling people everything that's going on ahead of time and that you keep to your deadlines. Even if you start out with nothing more than a concept, if you've got some reasonable deadlines and people know you deliver on them, your crowdsourcing campaign should be good to go. If you can actually have some sort of finished product, so much the better. As far as tip jars, that sort of thing, don't ask for a whole lot if you're doing a straightforward tip jar. If you're doing a little bit more, let people know it's all available at the particular site. You know, subscription tiers that have been set up so that, you know, are just simply a thank you. Or if you happen to be doing some really great fan art or show notes or whatever, definitely let people know that you've got that available. You know, anything you're doing to basically make fans love you more, definitely have that listed somewhere on one of your tiers for your crowdsource page. So, in short... If you're trying to make money off your comic, it can be done. Make sure that you're advertising the heck out of your comic and doing the best to make sure everybody knows it's around. If you can do that, then it's just a matter of playing the numbers and hoping you get lucky with them. It's not that hard. And again, you know, if you happen to like this podcast and you want to support it, Hey, check out the Patreon page over at patreon.com slash two sparrows, T-W-O, and sign up, at least for the, you know, the dollar a month subscription. I'd really appreciate it. And it actually means I can do some really weird stuff as far as the podcast goes. 
Um, I'm also in the process of setting up show notes as well, as well as video tips as far as how to basically be a better writer. In fact, I've already got some stuff like that over on the Patreon page and it's definitely worth checking out. And if you really want to be nice to me, I'm more than willing to talk putting your name on the actual podcast. So, let's talk. And like you said, have some fun with your advertising. Don't get too crazy. Don't get too busy with it. You know, Don't put more than like five or six ads on a page. You don't want to have basically your comic looking like a NASCAR driver. Otherwise, you're just going to drown out your comic and you're going to drown out the ads. So, keep a little bit of balance in there. But, again, if you don't make it available, nobody's going to come and try it out. So when it comes down to it, try to figure out what works best for you and go for it. Keep that in mind. And like I said, go check us out over at patreon.com slash two sparrows. Have a good evening. I'll talk to you later.